Hello, Facebook Live. Good evening. I'm sorry I set it at 10 past seven instead of seven o'clock. So uh, that's why it's, I pressed the wrong button. Um, so I uh, missed last week, so sorry about that. I hope everything's working. Hello, hello, hello. I hope the audio is working and the video is working. Um, everything's fine. I've got a lot of lovely messages about my father because I had to go to the hospital last week. He was brought taken in but he was fine and he is fine i've just seen him so he's absolutely fine and thank you very much for the um kind messages um about him so i'm jonathan stiano consultant plastic surgeon and i'm going to be talking about things related to plastic surgery and what i'd like to say is please feel free to to comment and share this comment and share this comment on this and share it and ask questions because that's what it's all about that's the name of the game i've uh, got some questions that we have already but if you have any questions that you would like answered then please feel free to ask them so i um i've got a list of questions and what i'm going to do is i'm going to go um just this minute oh god just this minute got a question on the message messenger facebook messenger so i'm going <laughs> to so I'm going to ask, I mean, answer that. I'm not going to ask it. Ask that. Ah, got it. Got it. So first, first, I'll go, I'll do them in order in a minute, but I just thought this person might be around, potentially, rather than making a wait. So I need to get rid of that thing there. So how's it going? Everything all right? How's that? Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, the sound's gone. Hello? Am I plugged in? Right, so um, no sound. If you get sound, let me know. Please let me know. Two one, two and two. What? Oh, I need someone who knows how to do this sort of thing here, don't I? Um, 
Um, I don't know what to do, quite frankly. It's got all these... Oh, that's good. What do you mean that's good? Have you got... <laughs> I'm done anything. You got sound now. Oh, I'm done anything. Oh well, I'm not going to touch it. All right, I'm not going to touch it. Clearly, that was nothing to do with me, everyone. That I'm looking at the wrong thing. That was your fault. If you didn't hear that on your computers, it's clearly a fault on your computer and not mine because uh, I haven't done anything. Right. So sorry about that. Dear oh dear, there's got to be an easy way. Do this sort of thing, isn't there? So is it the sound? Right, the sound now. Sorry about that. So, um, God, what was I yammering on about for the last ten minutes? Um, yeah, I was just saying thanks for the thing about my dad because he's fine because I didn't do it last week and he's absolutely fine. He was choking on something, went to A and E, and he's fine now. Um, that's pretty much all I was saying earlier on. So, uh, and the other thing I was saying is I just got this message on Facebook, and I thought I'd do this question first because i thought the person might be around rather than make them wait so um but probably because i didn't have any sound they probably gone wouldn't blame them um anyway get on it the subject thanks donetta you're coming across as distorted at times oh blimey o'reilly you know what i think it might have something you know what i think it's something to do with this here i'm doing something over here you want to see what's going on here there's a bank of computer screens here and it's just um I might stop that. Should I stop, stop that? I'm going to pause that. So this question says, pausing that, see if that makes things better. Pause. Pause that. This question says, um, so I'm hoping that, oh, it's not paused it properly. Um, it says, Getting electric pains, electric shock pains, sometime after. Um, I'm just going to close that. Close that. Sometimes after surgery. So uh, for a breast reduction, yes, that is not unusual. Now it's a little bit unusual if you weren't getting electric shock pains initially. So a little bit unusual if you were fine and then you're getting them at six months. That's that's a little bit unusual. But electric shock pains in themselves are not a, are not a worrying sign. And certainly with something like a breast reduction, I believe this is a breast reduction. Yeah, a breast reduction is quite a big operation. And there, you, you know, you can obviously see the scarring from the outside, but things are moved around, particularly the nipple. Now, the nipple's a very sensitive area. It's got a lot of nerve endings around the nipple, a bit like your fingertips. It's a very sensitive area. And when those nerve endings are, uh, when those little nerves, not big nerves, so it's not major um, sensory nerves, but tiny little nerves in the skin, they can fire off like a sort of electric cable fly, firing off, and that can give you that electric shock type pain. And it's not unusual around sensitive areas like the nipple, particularly after a breast reduction. So, uh, oh, look at that. Lisa May had them as well. So you, you, there you go. It's not unusual. Um, so the answer is, number one, it, it's all fine and nothing to worry about. I say that you should probably go and see your surgeon if you worry about things, unless I am your surgeon, in which case you should come and see me. Um, because uh, you know just check sorry but um in itself it wouldn't be something that i'd be particularly worried about and uh, oh blimey here we go <laughs> said that. right so lisa says i had those pains around nipple area and then she says lost my nipple with my surgeon who did mine right okay so i don't don't be alarmed at that because i don't think this electric shock pains are a sign of anything like that um but um thanks lisa um 
but I, but I don't necessarily think that's that those two things are necessarily related. So um, the answer is that you should um, massage the, the area to help to desensitize it because it's a sensitive area with a lot of um, nerve endings there then you should massage it to, to desensitize it. It might feel weird to start with because the electric shock pains can feel strange, but the more you massage it, the more you desensitize it, the better it'll get. In terms of losing the nipple, which is what Lisa's talking about, that is something that wouldn't be associated necessarily with electric shock type pains. That's something we'd be more um, thinking about in terms of the color of the nipple. If the nipple's changing color, especially if it's going darker, it's going sort of deep purple color, then we worry about that sort of stuff. And that'll be early on after a breast reduction. You're six months post-op. So it's not really on the radar for you. So um, that's a... Um, that's a rare complication that Lisa, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So um, that, that's um, a different thing. So yeah, don't worry about it. Give it a bit of massage and it should settle, should be absolutely fine. Might take a year or more for it to settle properly. It can take a long time for these sorts of electric shock type pains. Nerve pains take a, you know, nine to 12 months for, to, for them to settle down. So um, that, thanks for that question. Lovely, lovely question to get kicked off at on. So, oops. So what we got now is this one which says, I, if I have liposuction on my calves, will I then have loose skin and what can be done about the loose skin? Um, so liposuction in calves is unusual, an unusual place to have liposuction. You can have liposuction anywhere in your body. So I'm not saying you can't have liposuction to your calves, but there's not a huge amount of subcutaneous fat on your calves. Um, so liposuction is unusual in those areas. Around the knees, sometimes you do liposuction. The actual calves themselves, it'd be an unusual place to do liposuction. In terms of the loose skin issue, which is always an issue when you do liposuction, because liposuction only removes fat and not skin, and you would worry that there'd be redundant skin in some areas. The calves wouldn't be one that I'd immediately worry about that, unless there's obviously a huge amount of skin excess. Um, there, are, I would hope that the skin, and the skin does recoil to a degree when you do liposuction. Um, but it's better in some areas you know, than others. The hips, the outer thighs are good areas for liposuction. The tummy, the inner thighs are not so good because the skin doesn't retract so much. So liposuction to the calves is not a huge, um, huge area. Oh, God, phone's going now. Oh, that's, that's, that's my wife, that is. Right. Sorry, got it right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I am parenting at the same time. Um, perfectly responsible. The children are quite old, so it's okay. I'm not doing. Please don't uh, judge me. Um, so um, yeah, so liposuction to cars not a common one. Not a common one. Uh, wouldn't one I'd initially think there'd be spare skin, but it's not one I'd be initially. I'd be thinking it's, it's not a common place to have liposuction. So it's so yeah. Yeah. Blimey, what's going on? Oh, the chat's kicking off without me. Oh, blimey, O'Reilly. Um, Lisa's having reconstruction next Thursday. Good luck with that, Lisa. Um, that's excellent. Angela says, good luck. Thank you. Hi, sorry to hear your dad's been poorly. Yeah, he's fine. Um, he, he has been a bit poorly, actually. Um, but um, he's, yeah, he's, uh, I think stable would be the, be the appropriate term to use. Um, yeah. That's a good emoji. I haven't seen that before. Um, right. 
So let's just get this uh, back on track, shall we? Because uh, let's get get back on track with this question right here. So I know I did a teaser of that one earlier. Um, can you tell me what would be the best treatment for me, please? I have an indented scar from a mole removal on my chin, and I'm looking to get it filled out or near level with my skin. What would you advise? Thanks in advance. Um, so it doesn't say when the mole removal was. Um, so the first thing to do with an indented scar, with any sort of, if you consider any, any sort of scar revision, is time. Time number one, numero uno, uh, treatment for scars. Time does better than any surgeon can. So really, ideally, you're talking about a year, really. If you can leave it a year, you don't really want to be doing things in the first year because things will settle. And sometimes it is a bit indented. Sometimes it is a bit raised, um, you know, tethered, puckered, lumpy, all sorts of things with scars when, when you first have them done. And time will help them to settle. There are things you can do to help them to settle, massaging being the main thing, really. If they're a bit lumpy, you can think of silicone and things like that. But indented one, massaging, helping that scar tissue to soften and settle because the scar tissue is pulling the scar down. That's why it's indented. And it might have stretched a little bit, which when it stretches, because the scar is thinner than normal skin, it can give a little contour deformity because it doesn't have the full thickness of the skin. So it gives you a bit of a dent if the scar's a little bit stretched. So number one, time. Uh, number two, then uh, difficult, because this is, an, is a mole. It depends on how big the scar is, because um, often with the indented ones, things like acne scars are often a bit indented. And paradoxically, the smaller the scar, the more difficult it is to treat. Well, because it depends on how you're treating it. But um, the sort of ways that you can treat it are, number one, you can try and put some stuff underneath the scar. So you can inject something like filler underneath the scar. Which, was it this person? Anyway, someone was talking about that. Now, filler is good. Filler is uh, uh, the two things about filler. First of all, it's temporary. So it has to be repeated. Secondly, it, it is not as easy as it sounds because if you've got a dented in scar, you think, oh yeah, inject a bit of filler in there, happy days. In my experience, often what happens when you try and inject into a scar, the scar stays rock solid. The filler goes either side of the scar and can make the dent worse. So that is a risk when you try and fill a dented scar. You can do things like subcision and put a needle in and try and cut the scar tissue. But if you cut the scar tissue and bring the scar up, it just scars again and pulls down again. So um, it's difficult to do things like that. Um, often the best way, if you're going to have anything done, so the, it's a very reasonable thing. And sometimes we will say to you, look, it's probably best not to have anything done. So it's often a good thing to not have anything done because when you do stuff, you can make things worse. I've got to be honest with you. When we do scar revisions, we're giving you new scars, and we've got to hope, hope our new scar is better than your original scar. The reason it's difficult for small scars is if you're going to cut it out, give you a new scar, it's actually hard not to make that scar bigger the smaller the scar it is. It's a tiny, tiny little scar. It's hard to cut it out and not make that scar bigger. But even if, when you do cut out a scar, you do make it a little bit bigger. And uh, the trick would be to try and cut it out and to stitch it up and try and make sure it doesn't uh, stretch again and doesn't um, dent in again. If it's very dented, then we can try and get some fat underneath it uh, by mobilizing the tissues underneath. But again, very difficult to do on a very small scar. If it's a bigger scar, it's actually a little bit easier. So I suppose it depends on how dented it in, dented in it is and how old it is. So uh, if it's not old, leave it for a year. And if it's not that dented in, it might be worth just leaving it 
full stop. But if it's very dented in, and particularly if it's quite a big scar, it might be worth revise, trying to revise that scar. But there's always a risk we're going to give you a fresh scar and it's going to go dented in again. It can be very depressing, to be honest with you. So that is a risk that you'd have to weigh up um, if you're going to have something done. It's a tricky one. You think it's going to be easy, don't you, a dented scar? But it's not. It's not as easy as you think. In your mind, you think, that's oh, going to be easy. Just put a bit of filler in it or something. But it never works out as well as you hope, in my experience, anyway. Oh, blimey. Sorry, what's happened here? Uh, uh, Donna Lambert, uh, 6M, six month. Countdown to transformation begins. Would you do a thigh and arm lift in the same op? Um, would you do, would I do a thigh and an arm lift in the same op? Oh, that's a difficult question, Donna. Um, my gut, would you, I don't want to be inflammatory and I don't want to say no. Um, but I would be, it was not a great, it's not a great combo. I've got to be honest with you, Donna. It's not a great combo. There are some combos that work and thigh and arm lifts not, doesn't work really well, to be honest. To have both your thighs out of action and both your arms out of action, you can imagine that's pretty tough on you. And also surgery-wise, your arms and your legs are quite far away. And when you prep and drape the patient, you've got to think, how are you going to drape the patient? Are you going to keep your, 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 your torso exposed, in which case you're going to get cold? Are you going to prep them separately? Probably you would end up prepping them separately, but that's going to – it's just difficult. Um, it's just difficult, Donna. Um, it's difficult. To, it's better to stay in the same area. So thigh and abdomen, arms and breast, basically, work well. Um, but thigh and ab, thigh and arms don't work great. But I understand people if that's what you want and you don't want to have two separate operations. I can completely understand it. So to be honest with you, nothing's written in stone. It's all negotiable. It's all wheeler dealers, you know. Um, but um, it's not a great combo. Could it be done? Yes, it could be done. <clears throat> but I think you would struggle with your post-op as well. Just try and envisage both arms being sore and both legs being sore. Um, uh, Jackie Crimes. Hi, is tightening of neck area included in a lower facelift? Yes, it is. So the lower facelift, I don't do this sort of stuff, but the lower facelift does pull your neck as well. Yes. So... Um, in fact, a facelift, to be honest with you, is sort of lower, is lower face. This is more, the upper face, if you like, is more of a brow lift and eyes and mid facelift, lower blepharoplasty, eye lift. You know, a facelift, what we call a facelift, is, you know, cheeks, jawline, jowls, neck. That's where a facelift addresses. So a facelift is really lower, lower. Maybe we should call it lower facelift, but yeah. Um, Angela knew I was going to say filler. She trained as a doctor. Yeah, but filler's not as good as you think, Angela. Think it, you think filler's the obvious thing, but you do it, and it's never as good as you think. Um, right. Donna, what's going on here? Tummy tuck, lipomons lift, muscle repair, BBL. Wow. Tummy tuck, mons lift, those go with muscle repair. Okay, BBL. Crikey, that's a lot, Donna. And then you're going to get looking at an arm and a thigh, flipping neck. Because, again, the tummy tuck lipo mons lift muscle repair fine with all that that's all in the same area but then the bbl is around the back so that's difficult yeah i'm with angela on that wow all in one go yes going abroad had bastard band and breast org here though good luck donna with that that's a big op get yourself in tip-top condition for that so that's hope that goes well 
but uh, yeah, wow. Um, so awesome. Oops, awesome. Indented scars, done that one, nailed that one to the tree. Um, I'm looking for revision for nerve pain under one breast and arm caused when I had a BR, breast reduction, and lipo in Turkey. My doctor has said the nerves were pinched or damaged during surgery. Going back to Turkey is not an option. Also, I need inverted nipple correction. Can anyone point me in the right direction? Thanks. Um, well, I'll, I'll try and point you in the right direction. Um, so, tricky one. I mean, the first thing I talked to the doctor, presumably the doctor is available on sort of phone or similar device. I talked to the doctor, um, but I think um, nerve pain is really difficult, really difficult, even though you're saying that you won't want to go back to Turkey. It's hard to do. So you've got, the question is, what surgery would, would we do to help nerve pain? Um, I, I can't, you know, unless there's sort of specific trigger point, a specific point in the skin, particularly in the scar, that's maybe a nerve is actually caught up in the scar and there's a point where you can touch and it's just, ow, you know, then there might be a superficial neuroma, but usually it's not like that. Usually it's a deeper pain and it's a, a more non-specific pain. So it's very hard to do some surgery for, for nerve pain. And as I said before, um, you just have to let it settle nine to 12 months. How long are we? We don't know how long that is. No. So I would just time really, even if you did go back to, uh, where is it? Turkey. I'm not sure if they could do anything to, um, to fix that. But uh, inverted nipple correction, that's pretty simple surgery. We, we can do it at our clinic and probably most places do it. Um, well, not most places, plastic surgery, breast type people do it. Um, yeah, local anesthetic, in and out uh, while you wait. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, inverted nipple correction is a relatively simple operation. Um, Angela, good luck. Yeah. Angela has got a consultation this month that's awesome angela good luck with that let us know how it gets on how you get on um donna eight stone weight loss eight stone donna wow has left me awful skin wise need as little time recovery definitely need arms and thighs next year lol one at a time perhaps interesting about the calves question i have large calves too what do people have done just lipo no donna people don't have stuff to the calves done um no I don't know. A calf, large calf reduction is not, a, not, yeah. So because calves are, are not, if it is fat on your calves, you're likely to have fat elsewhere. And so weight loss, number one. And if it isn't fat, if it's muscle, because there isn't much fat on the calves, then lipo is not going to help that. And you, if you've got big muscles, big gastrocnemii, the, you know, the muscles at the back of your calves, then this, you know, that you can't do anything about that. So, um, that's, um, yeah, well done with your weight loss. Awesome. Swansea, Santa Maria. I'm, well, I've worked in Swansea, Angela. You will be looked after well down in Swansea because it'll be with one of my, probably one of my colleagues. I used to work down in Swansea and they are absolutely excellent, excellent bunch down there. So we can only envy you. Um, so good luck with that, Angela. Um, next question, I believe. Uh, Donna, thank you. Revision, we've done that one. Tummy tucks with ileostomy. It's interesting this because I did a question about uh, tummy tucks with ileostomy, and I've had a couple of people um, respond to it. 
um, or, or at least you know put comments that there was oh god that, that was something they were looking at. Oh god, is this is that moving? Is it moving? Um, so what this patient has said is, um, I'm currently doing some research on tummy tucks online. I'm booked for surgery and I have lots of questions to ask my surgeon about post-operative compression, garment strains, pain management, stoma care, recovery times, etc. There isn't a lot of information online about abdominoplasties for ileostomies. I want to be as prepared as possible before the operation. Um, and what I said to them is like, there's not a lot online because it's not, I didn't, I don't think it's that common to be honest with you. Um, someone having a, a, a but you know, say there's a, it was on the um, YouTube clip that I did about this. There's been a couple of people uh, who've, who've commented this patient being one of them. So you won't find much online because it's not that common. And also it sort of straddles two surgical specialties, which actually brings us into a later questions about general surgery and plastic surgery. So the ileostomy will be a general surgeon. So, if you know the ileostomy for those who don't know is when your bowel is exteriorized like a colostomy is when your colon is brought to the outside and the ileostomy is where the ileum which is your small bowel is brought to the outside to either to rest the bowel past it or maybe as a permanent thing if there's a problem lower down in your bowel so you have a, a stoma you have a, a piece of your bowel here uh, and, a, and a bag to collect the stuff that comes out of the stoma so if you're having a tummy tuck, the tummy tuck will involve removing the skin where the stoma is. Uh, and so the stoma will need to be recited. And so reciting the stoma, stoma, putting the stoma in another piece of skin will be done by a general surgeon. Plastic surgeon wouldn't, I say probably, I don't, I don't think, well, I don't think a plastic surgeon would mess with that. It's not really our, our, um, our remit. So it would be more of a general surgeon who would be looking after your stoma and then the plastic surgeon will be doing the tummy tuck. So it's sort of both of them will be involved. And, um, you know, we will talk to you about garments and compression, etc. after a tummy tuck. But obviously, if you've got a stoma there, you don't want to put compression over the stoma. Um, similarly with drains and what have you, because the stoma is going into your bowel, um, which is we don't normally breach your your bowel cavity when or, or your, your stomach wall when we're doing a tummy tuck. But obviously... They may have to do a laparotomy, I guess. I don't know. You know, go into your abdomen while doing the tummy tuck, which will increase your risk of infections. You'll probably more likely need drains and maybe you need drains in different spaces. Garments, it's a difficult area. So basically, it's a difficult area and it will need liaison between the general surgeon who will be doing your ileostomy and your plastic surgeon is doing your tummy tuck. So um, it, that's why there's not much online because it's a it's a it's a difficult area which is crossing two surgical specialties um so my advice is to talk to your surgeons um and try and get some help with that so donna says have you had any plastic surgery um would you um, <laughs> um no donna no i haven't <laughs> that's open for a joke isn't it um i it's interesting when people say things like that, would you? I find it a bit of a funny question because I, I see plastic surgery in a different way to the, how the rest of the world sees plastic surgery. And I see plastic surgery as surgery, just like any other surgery, orthopedic surgery, heart surgery, brain surgery, um, you know, vascular surgery. So it's a bit crazy if you said to me, would I consider having orthopedic surgery? Oh, flipping out the batteries and batteries. So you wouldn't say, would you think of having orthopedic surgery or would you consider having heart surgery, would you? You would say, um, 
I would, you know, if you need heart surgery or orthopedic surgery or vascular surgery or some other kind of or general surgery, um, you would weigh up the pros and cons. You would just think, what's the problem? What's a good thing about having surgery? What's the bad thing about having surgery? Do the pros outweigh the cons? Am I willing to take on the risks? And then I make a decision whether I'd have that surgery or not. And it's the same for plastic surgery. You do, what, what's the problem? Uh, clearly, I haven't got any problems from a cosmetic point of view. Clearly, I think anyone can see that. Um, you know, fine form of a man here. Got not, not an excess ounce of fat on me. Um, but, you know, if I had a problem and if surgery could help it, I would look at the pros and cons and weigh up whether I was going to do it. So I can't really say whether I would or not. Depends what the problem was and depends on what the risks of having surgery were versus the benefits. So that's what I would do. Here we go. Donna's back. Oh, back. Donna's come back at me. She's come back. Uh, sorry. I mean, like aesthetically, visibly noticeable changes that you want rather than need. If I had a family member that was a plastic surgeon, I'd be begging. Yeah. Again, about this want rather than need. To be honest with you, most surgery is want rather than need. Uh, you know, we don't need, if you look at what's being done in, in, in hospitals throughout the land, most surgeries want rather than need. Um, it's trying to do something like improving quality of life. Um, hip replacements, knee replacements, cataracts, hernias, surgery for indigestion, um, vascular surgery. And it's often things like pain. It's often physical dysfunctions, pain or, or um, things will adversely affect your quality of life. And the surgery will benefit your quality of life. But because it's functional problems that that surgery is addressing, as opposed to more emotional or psychological problems, they are deemed more worthy. So I don't think it's any more worthy to have a hip replacement than it is to have a breast reduction, for instance, because both are just trying to improve people's quality of life. And uh, I think both are fine. And I think if you have pain in your hip, you would weigh up the pros and cons of having a hip replacement. Um decide how bad the pain was and uh, decide what the risks of the surgery were. Same if you're having a breast reduction or a tummy tuck or anything like that. You just see what the problem was. So yeah, I, I honestly, I bag it in the same as all other sort of types of surgery. I don't, this, this is, there's this idea that you don't have to have it. I'm like, well, it's not, that you don't have to have it. It's not going to kill you if you don't have it, but then not much stuff is. Most of the surgery we do is not actually going to, you stop you from dying but it is going to improve your quality of life so hospitals in the country nhs hospitals in the country are trying to improve people's quality of that's what most surgery is about uh and and this is no exception in my view that's where i am at it but uh, you know, I'm, i know i'm alone i know everyone else thinks uh, cosmetic surgery is this sort of thing that no one needs sort of thing but anyway I think I see a different demographic to what you see in the media. The media has this image of everyone having sort of ridiculous shape and wanting to be look ridiculous. Most people want to look normal and just feel more comfortable in their own skin, basically. That's what most people want. Um, right, it's a good one here. It's a good one here. Not, oh, where's my picture gone? I had a picture. Oh, I think when I had one of those microphone problems. Anyway, um, so... Will my breast sag if I have an uplift? No, 
Oh, is this the one? Yeah. With very <laughs> I'm glad, Angela, because I thought you might come back at me like everyone else says, oh, it's all unnecessary surgery and everything. Yeah, but I've probably got a a, 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 a demographic of people watching here who are a bit more um, amenable to it. I think there are people out there who think it is the devil's work and it's all completely unnecessary. And it's uh, anyway world we're in so um oh hold on a minute it's all kicking off now right what's the dip no um well my rest sag you know so this is a good one this is a good one. i mean they're all good don't get me wrong they're all good um but what we got here i had a consultation close to home and was told if i had an uplift with or without small implants my breasts would just sag again and then they would not be firm still soft I don't want to waste more time and effort into a consultation if this is true, as it was upsetting. Really good point, this. This point needs to be raised. This, If I had a highlighter, I'd highlight that. Um, I've got a highlighter? No, I don't think I have. Anyway, um, and the point is that you have to be aware of the um, outcome that you can realistically achieve when you're having surgery that is how you ensure you get a good result because you don't want to go in with your mind thinking it's going to look like something and then it actually looks like something else and that's a constant challenge that we have because this surgery is very subjective we don't have objective measures like you know blood pressure or you know whether the cancer has all been removed and things these are objective measures so we can tell whether we've done a good operation or not our, our measures are subjective. They're based on whether the patient's happy or not. So we spend a lot of time trying to ensure patients are happy by making them aware of what sort of thing can be achieved with surgery. And when you do a breast lift, you do transform the shape of the breast. You lift the breast, you tighten the skin, and you bring it back on your chest. But when you do a breast lift, the, the volume is always very up high when you first have it done, and you might like that but it always settles to a, what I would say is a more natural result. It always settles to a concavity in the upper pole. Now, I'm not, I'm talking about out of a bra here. I'm talking about people out of a bra. It settles to it to have a concavity uh, in the upper pole. And you have to be aware of that. And so if you're going to have surgery, so I've got a photo. Um, if you're going to have surgery of a breast lift, you have to accept that the shape will settle. And you have you have to be aware that's that's the sort of shape you can achieve. Now this is in a sorry, out of a bra. In a bra, you can always lift them and push them, but you have to be aware. So I hope I can show this. I feel awkward showing this because I don't want to get banned from Facebook, but I'm gonna give it a go. Um, so People who have lost um, a, a lot of volume, who breasts are sitting very low, uh, who've had children, they were very, you know, the shape will be transformed with a lift. The problem comes when people are not in that sort of extreme situation like this, um, which I will show. Am I sharing this screen? No. Um, show screen. So this is um, a person who uh, hasn't got, isn't like your classic breast lift type person. Um, she hasn't 
lost a huge amount of uh, of volume. Uh, she's a little bit empty in the upper pole, but not hugely empty in the upper pole. And um, I think a breast lift would have a marginal effect on this person. Uh, I think a breast lift um, would um, would have have an effect, but it wouldn't have um, a huge effect, and it may not have the effect that she wants. Now, if you want uh, to have a fullness, sustained fullness in the upper part of your breast, then that's where implants come in. So if you don't want a concavity from the top to the nipple down, if you don't want that to be concave, if you want that to be convex, if you want that to be fuller, you can't do that with your own tissue. Because your own tissue, whilst when you do a lift, it will first be like that, it'll be a bump up here. Gravity will work on it and it'll settle. So if you want a bump up here, if you want a fullness up, you have to use an implant. And if you're going to use an implant, you have to get the width of the implant right. Because you're probably going to talk about a round implant because you want some fullness up here. And the width and the height is the same because it's round. So you have to have it a certain height in order to give you that fullness. So this person saying they're thinking of having a small implant. Now, a small implant might not give you that fullness you want. It will give you the volume you want. So if you only want a little bit of volume, that's good. But if you're doing it for the shape, because you're worried, using this term sag, you know, emotional, not emotional. Um, anyway, evocative, using the word sag. It's an evocative term. So it wouldn't really sag because your breasts aren't really sagging now. But they, they would settle if you didn't have an implant. Now, if you want to fight the sag and you want to have a fullness up here, you have to have a, an implant of a certain width and a certain height to give you that fullness up there. And that will be an implant of a, of a certain size. So a small implant might not do it. So you, sometimes you get in a difficult situation where usually I'm trying to say, hey, we'll have a smaller implant because I can hide it and less likely for rippling and all that sort of stuff. But in situations like this, if you want to have that fullness up there, you have to have a certain volume of implant because you have to have that width to fulfill the base diameter to do the job. So a small implant might not do it. So I understand what these surgeons are saying to you. The surgeon's saying, look, if you have a small implant, what have you said? It will sag again or something. You used the term sag, didn't you? lost it yeah just sag again and you know it would settle after a lift um you know so you have to be aware of that because these are expensive operations you don't want to come out and say hold on a minute what's going on here why haven't i got fullness up there and we're like oh yeah well that's because you know the, the tissues settle if you want the fullness up there you'd have to use an implant and you'd have to use an implant of a certain volume you'd measure the width and therefore get the height which um would give you that fullness that you may want i mean it might be you would you, we'd have to go through photos of you to see what sort of thing you want but if you do want that sort of convexity you know the bulge in the upper pole rather than the dip in the upper pole then that would have to be an implant now i've got to say the convex the, the concavity the dip is quite natural and it looks can look quite good but it's not for me to say it's for the patient to say if they want that fullness to be there then that has to be an implant as i said to you you can put in you can put a bra on and lift it and things like that, but it has to be of certain volume implants. Certainly those breasts, and I hope I don't get banned from Facebook for showing those. Um, they did have things over the nipples. Um, I um, would think a lift on its own might not give you the result you want. And I think if you want that fullness out there, you'd have to have implants, but then you'd have to be bigger. And it sounds like you don't want to be that much bigger because you're talking about a small implant. So it's a difficult situation. It's a situation. But uh, yeah, good question. Get stuck into that one. I did like that one.
that's a good one. Could go on about that, I tell you. And I, I think the next one's a similar, same vein. She sent photos as well, but I haven't got the things over the nipple, so I daren't. I daren't do it. I've I've risked enough with Facebook tonight. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna show more. There might be children watching. Would they? I don't think they would. I need a sort of what's it? Certificate on this, don't I? Um Thanks for answering my question about electric shock pains. You're very welcome. Very welcome. It should all be fine. Should all be fine. Give it some time. Um, so this is a similar question. Um, will I get a good result from uplift and implants? Um, and a similar, similar breast shape, but without the things over the nipples. So I'm not going to show show it. But um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So basically, if your breasts are sitting a bit low and you want the shape you better and the size is a bit small, then lift with implants is the way to go. Now, it's a big offer, lift with implants. So if one or other of those things is not an overriding problem, and if your breasts are sitting a bit like that patient there, the shape wasn't that bad, I didn't think. So she could, I mean, have to examine her and see, like, see, see what we thought, thought, but she could just have implants and not a lift. Now, the shape wouldn't be as good as having a lift, but there'd be less scarring and less complications. And if she wasn't happy with the shape, she could always have a lift as a second stage, but she might be happy with the state of the shape and might avoid a lift as a second stage. So it's hard to say that is the right answer for you because it's, you have to talk to the patient. Sometimes I go to meetings and people show photos of, of, of people and say, what do you think? And I'm like, well, you have to talk to the patient. You can't just say that patient needs a lift with implants or that patient needs a lift. I mean, I suppose sometimes you can, but certainly for borderline cases like the one we just seen, um, you can't um, you can't say needs this or needs that. You have to talk to the patient. And say, look, this lift with implants will give you this sort of result. Will give you probably the best shape and the best um, and the, and more volume. Not the best, but you know more volume. But if you don't want more volume or if you don't want the little scars and you don't want the complications, you could just have implants, but the shape wouldn't be as good. Your nipples would still be sitting a bit low. We can't lift your nipples if we don't do a lift. Uh, but you might be happy with that because when you're in a bra, it doesn't really matter that much. Out of a bra, the shape might not be quite right. So it's a balance. And a lift with implants is a big deal, but it's probably the best way to make the shape and the volume better. But it's a big deal. All right. Audio working. Do you want to? Oh, I've done all the. Am I doing these all the questions in order? Now I think. Right, I'm going to warn you now. This is the last question. So if you have got a question, then get it in. Um, what is the difference? Sorry, using a general surgeon abroad. Can you talk about the difference between a general surgeon and a plastic surgeon? Yes, sir, I can. So, um, surgical training, the first thing is to say, is your surgeon a specialist? Because surgical training, you do, there are sort of two levels, if you like. There's basic surgical uh, qualification, where you become either FRCS, which is a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons, or MRCS, member of the Royal College of Surgeons. When I did it, it was FRCS. These days, it's MRCS. But anyway, um, you become a member of the Royal College of Surgeons. And that's sort of when you sort of call yourself a surgeon. But that's a very basic level of surgery. Uh, that's you've done a bit of A&E, you might have done an appendicectomy, um, you're supervised, you're not doing anything on your own, 
it's quite a basic level of sur surgery if you've only got the MRCS or the FRCS. Um, so then once you've got that basic surgical qualification, so you've got the basics in surgery, then you go on and what most people will do is to, to subspecialize in a, an area. And there are different areas, brain surgery, heart surgery, orthopedic surgery, plastic surgery, general surgery, vascular surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So general surgery sounds general, doesn't it? Sounds like it's general, but it's not general. It's actually a specialty in its own right. So a general surgeon is not a surgeon who can do anything. He is still a specialist. So it's a bit confusing using the word general, but a general surgeon is a specialist and a specialist in general surgery. So, um, and if when you become a specialist, you get letters after your name, after the FRCS. So if you're not a specialist, you'll get FRCS and then ENG, England or Ireland or whatever, uh, or ED, Edinburgh. That's, that's just a, a normal um, basic surgical qualification. It, it, when you become a specialist, you get the specialty in brackets after your name. So orth is orthopedic surgeon, plast is a plastic surgeon, G gen, G-E-N is a general surgeon, ORL, otorhinolaryngology is an ENT surgeon. So what, if you get FRCS with brackets and with the specialty in brackets, so orth, gen, plast, you know that your, your doctor is a specialist, has finished with plastic surgery at six years or a certain amount of years of specialist training in that specialty. If they haven't got that, they may not be a specialist. I say may not be because if they're very old, they might not have been in the, the cohort where they did that sort of stuff. So the old, there are old people who are FRCS and they haven't got plast in brackets because they were before the time they brought in that plast. So um, that is a rider on that. But if they're not very old, um, then um, I think most people are becoming close to retirement if they if they were in that in that category. Um, so that's that's a specialist. You're on the specialist register with the GMC. You can check on the GMC with their name or their GMC number if they're on the specialist register and if they're on the specialist register for what specialty. So there you go. So first thing to check they're a specialist. So if they're a specialist, then it's good. So if they're a specialist general surgeon or plastic surgeon, that's good. They're, they're a specialist. So then what's the difference in general surgery special, specialist and plastic surgery specialist? Well, general surgery, having said that it's a specialty in its own right, it's a specialty usually of bowel. Most of general surgery is bowel. There's upper GI, lower GI. I wanted to be a general surgeon, actually, when I was doing my training. I wanted to do colorectal, sort of lower GI. Um, it's good. I quite enjoyed general surgery. Um, but it's it's bowel. It's operating on your stomach and your and your, and your bowels and, uh, and your liver and things like that. Um, but there is a subspecialty of general surgery of breast, uh, of, of a glands operating on glands and the breast and uh, adrenals and things like that. So there's a, there's a, a thyroid. You know, there, there's a there's a subspecialty of breast. So there are breast surgeons, are general surgeons, and they usually deal with the breast cancer side of things. So if you have a breast lump, you would go and see a general surgeon, a general breast surgeon. They shouldn't use the word general. They should use it. You should think of a different name for it. But anyway, general breast surgeon sounds like it's general. But anyway, a breast surgeon who um, would be doing the mastectomy and doing the mammogram and, you know, liaising with the chemotherapy and all that sort of stuff. Plastic surgeons, we don't do any of that. We leave that all to the general surgeons. Um, as a plastic surgeon, although I only do breast, pretty much I do a bit of body as well, but I'm not a breast surgeon. I'm a plastic surgeon. A breast surgeon is a general surgeon. And then I do the reconstruction. 
So once the general surgeon does the mastectomy, I do the reconstruction. So I don't do the mastectomy. I just do the reconstruction. I don't do the lumpectomy, the wide local excision, all that sort of stuff, needle biopsies and all that. Don't do any of that. The general surgeons do all that. Now, there are some general surgeons who have started to do reconstructions. There are general surgeons. They call themselves oncoplastic surgeons. Um, but they're general surgeons who've gone through general surgery training and have do breast cancer work and then have learned they've usually done a fellowship or something where they've done some time doing breast reconstruction so um that is a general surgeon who is specializing in that uh, in breast cancer but then has also learned how to do some techniques of reconstruction they don't usually do the bigger types of reconstruction where we're moving tissue from around the body because that's more of a plastic surgery thing but they certainly do the smaller types of reconstruction in terms of implants and things like that um they might do the i should say that they might do tissue from the back but they tend not to do the tummy one, which is a much bigger one where they take the tummy and bring it up to the breast. That's usually a plastic surgeon who does that. So that is, um, but you have to look what their subspecialty is because if, if there's a general surgeon who's supposed to subspecialty is doing hernias or bowels or stuff like that, um, because the problem with plastic surgery, not plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery, everyone and his uncle does it. So people who are trained in, you know, ENT or, um, dermatology or god knows what is doing putting breast implants in you know that's the problem so so plastic surgeons have got training in aesthetics and, and tissue handling and you know we have that our training is very much it has got an aesthetic thread through it which the other surgery surgeons don't have but because there's not many plastic surgeons around other surgeons are in the gaps and are doing cosmetic work if you like uh, so they call them cos cosmetic surgeon which is not really a, t a term cosmetic surgeon is not really recognized by the royal college of surgeons plastic surgeon is so they shouldn't really be calling themselves plastic surgeons but uh, people do call themselves cosmetic surgeons although to be honest with you some of them call themselves plastic surgeons but what can you do people think there's some kind of law against it or something i don't think there's much you can do if someone calls themselves a plastic surgeon when they're not all sorts of people call themselves plastic surgeons when they're not that oh, that is why here, nearly forgot. I've written a book. Never accept a lift from strangers. How to choose the best plastic surgeon <laughs> or cosmetic breast surgery? Written by yours truly, Jonathan Steiner. You, but you, you heard me right. I've written a book. Available on Amazon or through my website. Never accept a lift from strangers.com. So um, yeah, have I made? Have I explained that? So yeah, make sure they're a specialist. Number one make sure they're breast specialist number two um so natalia has come in my boobs are asymmetrical not sure if i was my if it was my picture that you couldn't show oh no it wasn't it wasn't um can you recheck please there's at least an a a cup size difference it, it no it was so <laughs> anyway so would I need a lift and different size implants or a lift reduction or the bigger one and then implants? Thank you. Okay, so in general terms, Natalia, um, when your breasts are asymmetrical, this makes things a little bit more difficult. And I always say, look, we try and make balance up out the symmetry. So the first question is, are you happy with one of them? So if you're happy with the one of them, we can try and make the other one look like, look like that one. Um, so if it's a size thing, um, so... Would I need a lift and different size implants or a lift reduction 
on the bigger one and then implants. Okay, so it sounds like there's a size issue here. So um, because you're talking about um, implants. So if you want them bigger, then you can either put uh, different size implants in, put a bigger implant in the smaller breast to try and balance it out. Now the implants come as set sizes. So it might probably be that we won't get it exact, but we try and make it balance it out. And actually when you're making them bigger, the difference becomes proportionally less. So often it looks less obvious. So that would probably be the simplest thing. Well, the simplest thing would put an implant, if you want them bigger, put an imp implant in the smaller breast. If you want them both bigger, put implants in both breasts with a bigger implant in the smaller breast. So that'd be the simplest thing. Now, when you've got one bigger than another, usually the nipples are asymmetrical. And so that wouldn't balance out your nipples. So your nipples would still be asymmetrical. You might be happy with that. You might not be happy with that. If you're not happy with that, then you have to move the nipples. And that could be either moving one nipple, so lifting the bigger breast. And if we're gonna do that, if we're gonna lift the bigger breast, we could always reduce the bigger breast. So take a little bit of volume out of that bigger breast to balance up the volume, and then we can use the same size implants in both sides. If both breasts are sitting low, then you could lift them both. And obviously you'd lift the bigger breast more than you'd lift the smaller breast, um, and then you get symmetrical scarring. And again, you could take some volume out of the bigger breast and use the same size implants in both, with a view to over time as things settle and as you age, it might age more symmetrically if you've got the same amount of breast tissue and the same size implants in. Not written in stone, you could have a differential augmentation with different size implants and just have a straight straight up lift. But um, yeah, it's um, all of all of the above are options actually, Natalia. So you could have a uh, uh, um, a lift and different size implants, or a re reduction of the big one. I'd probably, um, without seeing, depending on if you've got enough breast tissue there. Um, uh, I would probably go with a, a reduction of the bigger one, lift in the reduction of the bigger one to balance it out with the smaller one, and then implants in both, same size implants in both, probably where I'd be going. But um, I hope we haven't lost everybody else. Do you think we've lost everyone else, Natalia? Do you think they've understood that? I'm sure you followed it because it's your body, but yeah. Good question. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, Angela, I've got to leave. Good information in tonight's live feed. We'll catch you again. Okay, see you later, Angela. Nice to see you. I've probably, you've probably gone by now. Um, Jackie, totally agree with what you said about the uplift. I originally had breast implants under the muscle, age 40. I'm 56 now, and last year I had my implants removed and replaced with new implants along with the mastopexy. I need the fullness of the top too. Looks so much better. There you go. Phew. Got some third party endorsement there. Thanks, Jackie. No, haha. Fantastic information. There you go. Natalia, I knew you'd follow it. Thank you so much. I definitely need a lift, but then implants too. You're a star. I appreciate so much. Oh, we should keep that. Can we, can we pin that? Can I pin a, pin a comment? Let's pin that one. I uh, can't pin a comment. I think you can on Facebook, but I'm on some funny app here. Anyway, you're very welcome, Natalia. Um, yeah, if you definitely need a lift, go for the lift. Reduction of the bigger one, implants in both. Job done. Um, making it sound easy. It's not easy, Natalia. It's a difficult operation. Asymmetries, lifts, and implants. That's You got it all there, Natalia. That's a difficult operation. But good luck with that. And thank you all so much for engaging with me tonight. And I very much hope you see me here next week. And remember, this is fueled by you, by your questions. So please get in the questions. Um, uh, I'm loving it. I love the questions. More the merrier. Um, lay it on me. Facebook message me. Comment on this post or whatever you want. Email me, info at stianoplasticsurgery.co.uk. 
bit of a mouthful that might be easier to message me on facebook whatever you want um, but please get in touch if you have any questions i can hear some noises going on behind me so i've got to make sure that the children are uh, okay which i'm sure they are i'm sure they are but i've been keeping an ear out for them and i will see you again same time well seven o'clock actually because it was seven ten this week so I pressed the wrong button but seven o'clock right here facebook live next week very much looking forward to it have a lovely evening and um good night thank you and good night <laughs>